This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. I'm Kevin Farrell with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield out this week. So it's time for another pet day. We didn't get a chance to talk about it last week, so we'll tell you about pet vaccines for National Immunization Awareness Month. What vaccines are required by law? How often should you get your pet revaccinated? And what places are high risk for your pets to get diseases? Join our conversation this morning with your pet questions at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464, or you can send an email. It's animals at mpbonline.org. You're listening to Creature Comforts from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield's out this week. So it is time for another pet day today. And also, since we didn't get a chance to talk about it last week, we're going to talk about pet vaccines uh, for National Immunization Awareness Month. We'll talk about vaccines that are required by law, how often your pet should be revaccinated, and where are places that are high risk for your pets to kick, pick up a disease. But we are looking for your pet questions this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. So good morning, Dr. Major. Hope you're doing well this morning. Good. Good morning. Uh, before we get into things, do also want to remind you of an event coming up at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. It's this Saturday, August 13th at 11. It's called Wonders of the Bat World. It'll be a presentation by Chester Martin, retired wildlife biologist, Mississippi master naturalist and founder of the Mississippi Bat Working Group. Uh, the presentation will include a discussion of bat biology uh, species of bats found in Mississippi, conservation needs, and management opportunities. And there will be a Q&A after the presentation. So you can come a Saturday morning at 11 to the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science in Jackson uh, to find out more about bats. So, uh, Dr. Major, it is uh, National Immunization Awareness Month. Uh, so uh, why, what, what exactly is a vaccine, and, and why is it important to keep our pets uh, vaccinated? Well, the vaccine for pets are very similar to vaccines for, for people. Uh, we have uh, different types of vaccines. Many of the vaccines are uh, for viral diseases. Uh, we can have modified live virus, which still has some uh, of the characteristics of live virus. We can have kill vaccines where the uh, bacteria or the actual uh, process is, has been destabilized and killed, but still provides immunity. So vaccines in general are given to create immunity in uh, a pet or animal. And uh, in most cases, we have to give successive vaccines to young animals simply because of uh, their immune system is developing slowly. 
And I guess uh, similar to uh, vaccinations in humans, uh, it all in, uh, protects your pet. But again, if if the group of pets are vaccinated, it, it helps. Uh, if your pet is out, you know, uh, encountering another dog or cat or whatever, it helps that that pet has also been vaccinated. Right. There are several modes of transmission uh, of diseases. One of those is actually contact or inanimate object can be, I guess that's called a fomite, but regardless, an inanimate object can carry uh, a viral particle or a bacterial or even uh, parasites. So those uh, particular things can be spread. It can be spread by aerosol, uh, sneezing, uh, coughing. And also from any type of uh, body fluids for certain types of diseases, whether it's saliva. Uh, we're all familiar with rabies, and that uh, with rabies, a bite uh, can cause transmission of the disease uh, through the saliva and uh, also through fecal matter. Uh, diseases can be spread uh, through fecal matter and urine. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's a pet day, so if you're out there and you have a question about your pet, today is a great day to call in and get some information. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can also email the show animals at mpbonline.org. So uh, are there certain uh, vaccines that are required by law, or is it just recommended that pet owners get these? In general, uh, as far as required by law, uh, rabies vaccines are required uh, for your dogs and cats, uh, and that's pretty much across the board. Some of these regulations are are local as far as the duration of the immunity. Uh, A lot of it has to do with the degree of exposure that an animal might have as well. Other things that are required, for example, your groomer, for if you take your dog in to be groomed, is going to require uh, usually rabies vaccination, which should be up to date. And in most cases, some of the other uh, diseases that are routinely vaccinated for in, in dogs. Uh, what about, um, say, birds and then maybe some other uh, somewhat non-traditional pets, uh, maybe ferrets, uh, uh, gerbils, hamsters, things like that? Do, do they require vaccinations as well? In most cases, the the smaller uh, pocket pets, we like to call them pocket pets because they could fit in your pocket. Uh, gerbils, hamsters, uh, uh, even uh, there are a lot of and people shudder at this quite often, but there are a lot of pet rats. And uh, I would say that in most cases... those would not require vaccinations. Mm -hmm. Uh, Birds, uh, there are some diseases that uh, coming from an aviary that usually birds are vaccinated for there. So usually it's not a problem of continuing to vaccinate for those. Uh, Ferrets uh, usually are vaccinated quite often. uh, Ferrets usually are raised by a ferret farm, if you will, or a farm that raises ferrets. Most of the time they are vaccinated before before you get one. Uh, But then our standard dog and cat, uh, we can go over the uh, different diseases that affect them and how we can uh, have a vaccination program. Okay. Uh, So let's do that. Why don't we start then with dogs and talk about some of the essential uh, vaccines that dogs will get? Right. Of course, most people that have dogs, one of the number one things that comes to mind is parvovirus. And parvovirus is especially uh, contagious, uh, in young dogs, especially dogs that have low immunity, uh, these dogs are very susceptible. 
Uh, we recommend vaccinating for parvovirus uh, at about six weeks of age and then every three weeks for a total of uh, four, four vaccines. Uh, the reason that you have to vaccinate more than once in, in successive vaccinations in a lot of cases has to do with maternal antibodies. In other words, pet has been nursing its mother, which may or may have a certain degree of, uh, what shall I say, of immunity transferred from the colostrum. And in a lot of cases, this does take a while to wear off. Same thing would be true of cats as well. Uh, but as they develop, going through the 6, 9, 12, 14, 15, 16 weeks of age, their immune system does develop, and the vaccines are more effective as you progress. Uh, we also vaccinate for canine distemper, which... Uh, is a debilitating disease that can cause upper respiratory or respiratory type uh, concerns. It can cause seizures. It can cause diarrhea. So it affects the whole body system. And uh, one of the most common places that pets are exposed to distemper uh, would be at a shelter where unvaccinated animals are brought in and mixed with animals that perhaps have or have not had vaccines. There are other diseases that we can vaccinate for. Uh, leptospirosis is a disease that can affect dogs and people. It's usually spread uh, in the urine by, in this case, in most cases now by raccoons. Uh, it can also be spread uh, through other uh, vectors of wild, wild animals such as rats. But in the main culprit right now with leptospirosis is are raccoons, so that would be another disease. There's a disease or condition called kennel cough, uh, which is probably a misnomer, but it can be spread quite frequently uh, through aerosol means uh, or close contact. And this can be a cough that can last anywhere from, uh, a lot of cases, two weeks or so. And it's usually not fatal, but it can be a very uh, aggravating disease for pets. There are some vaccines for the uh, tracheobronchitis or kennel cough, but there's a large number of strains that some of the vaccines may not protect against. We're talking today about uh, pet vaccines with Dr. Troy Major. It is a pet day, so we're also looking for your pet questions on Creature Comforts this morning. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464, or you can send us an email, animals at mpbonline.org. We'll talk about some cat vaccines, uh, but first we've got a caller on the line, so let's go to Perkinston, and we invite, is it Kitta on the line? Kitta. Kitta, sorry. Go ahead, please. Uh, I have a pot-bellied pig um, that stays in the house the majority of the time, or he's outside in the backyard that's spent, and he's not outside at night. And I'm wondering what... Uh, diseases could he transmit and what vaccines does he require every year if any and also if those need to be done yearly good questions uh, there are a fair number of uh, pot pigs that are pets and in most cases they make some very good pets I'm sure yours is as far as vaccine there are no required vaccines for the pot pig uh, or any of the pigs uh, at one time in, in the U.S., there was something called hog cholera, and there are other diseases as well that would be in a herd-type situation. But uh, as far as my knowledge is concerned about pot pigs, there is no required vaccine. 
He should be dewormed routinely. Uh, yes. I'll say deworm, taking care of any internal parasites. And I'm yes. sure you take care of his outer, yes, uh, outside as well as far as any parasites. So uh, it sounds like you're giving this pig good care. What's his name? His name's Pugsley. Pugsley, okay. <laughs> and how how big is Pugsley? He probably goes around um, probably 150 pounds. Oh, wow. So he's a little bit bigger than a lap pig. I mean, be well, like... he likes to get up on the bed <laughs> and cuddle at night till it's time for him oh, to go man. and go nighty night. And then he puts himself to bed, well. and um, he's fine. I just worry sometimes about him getting up and down in bed at that weight um, with. Uh, joint problems later on in his life, such as arthritis and things like that from the trauma of jumping up in bed and then jumping down. Yes. Well, sounds like you're taking excellent care of him, and thanks for your call. Thank you, sir. Have a blessed day. All right. Thanks for that call. We need to take a quick break. When we get back, we've got some pet questions lined up for Dr. Major. This is a pet day on Creature Comfort, so if you have some concerns about your pet, give us a call this morning at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's one 877 Six seven two seven four six four. Send us an email, animals at mpbonline.org. Back with more Creature Comforts after this short break. Support for MPB comes from C Spire Business Solutions, helping businesses move into the future with next-generation fiber-optic Internet access. More at 855-C-SPIRE-2. C Spire, customer-inspired. MPB is getting its very own car tag. But first, we need your help. To begin production, we need 300 of you to say yes to the tag. Go to mpbonline.org slash car tag for more information and also to sign up. A portion of the fee goes to help MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. Thanks for your help, and we'll see you on the road. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield out this week, so it is a pet day today. We're looking for your pet questions at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 7464 Send us an email to animals at org. It also is National Immunization Awareness Month, so throughout the hour we'll be talking about the vaccines that uh, 
will benefit your pet as well. Also a reminder that uh, now all of our local programs here on MPB Think Radio are available as podcasts. So uh, on your smartphone, get your favorite uh, podcast player uh, or app, uh, and uh, you can subscribe to all of the shows. So if you ever miss a, a show or need to refer back to it, you can have an archive of it as a podcast. And we're having a friendly competition to see which shows get the most downloads. And I think, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, Creature Comforts was up near the top. So we appreciate folks uh, downloading that for us and, and uh, having it on demand whenever you need to listen to the show. Back to the phones we go for some questions. We'll begin again with Curtis, who's called in this morning. Hello, Curtis. Hey, how you doing today? Good. What's your question? I got a question about, I got an indoor cat and, and hairballs. What's the, the uh, uh, what's, am I doing everything that needs to be done to prevent hairballs? Okay. Uh, is she constantly having issues with those? No, nah, they have one. Uh, there's, there's a, I have a male cat and a female cat. Uh, uh, one of them is, uh, uh, has it probably more than the other one does. The, the small, the small, what I call the real small kitty cat, uh, has more problems than the, uh, the larger male cat. Okay. And, uh, Are you but, doing uh, anything now as far as trying to prevent it? Uh, basically what I do is swap up their food. Their, their, their food is, uh, I, I mix it up with soft food and, and then, and, and hard food and, and I change their water every day and, and uh, I really don't. I'm not really a, a don't really know what causes it. You know what I'm saying? Try right. to keep the house clean. <laughs> well, of course, of course, they groom themselves fairly fastidiously. Most cats do. They spend a fair uh-huh. amount of their time grooming. I don't know what what percentage, yeah. but I think my cat probably grooms about forty, fifty percent of the time. And some of it has to do with the length of hair. But uh, the cat's tongue. You notice the cat's tongue is fairly rough, and uh-huh. they get hair, and it goes in rather than spitting it out until it forms a hairball. And a hairball sometimes can be a real issue. Uh, my suggestion would be to periodically use something called laxatone or cat laxative. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't cause diarrhea, but it helps to kind of lubricate that hair and get it on out of the system. So some people use it maybe once a week, uh, depending on how, how much of the hairball-type situation they're having. Uh, it's safe to use. Uh, your vet can have it, or you can probably get it over the counter. Uh, oh, okay. But I had it, never heard of that before. But it would be laxatone or cat laxative. <laughs> it sounds uh, pretty gross, but uh, actually a lot of cats will take it right out of the tube. It has a fairly good taste. Let's, I've got one more question. I'll let yes, you sir. go. Uh, yes, my large cat, uh, you know, sleeps with us a lot and all, but he's got in the habit of falling asleep on his back. Is that normal for cats? Is and he just sleeps on his back all the time. And I've never seen a cat do that before. And we had him, of course, he's been declawed. Right. But, to, you know, when he falls asleep on his back, his little paws bends in. And, it, and <laughs> but he sleeps on his back a lot. And I've never seen a cat do that before. Is it, How fat is he? He probably weighs about <laughs> 12, 13 pounds. Okay, so he's not that much overweight probably. But uh, a lot of cats, or some cats will do that. It's not real common. But some will sleep on their back or in some contorted position sometime uh i do see my cat where uh, she was asleep the other day on the windowsill and she had one leg up in the air you know just kind of like hey i'm fine but uh they can can do that there's nothing wrong with the cat sleeping on his back 
Oh, okay. That's what I was wondering. Okay. Well, thank you a lot. I appreciate it, Doc. You're welcome. Thank All you. Right, uh, Curtis, thanks for your call. Uh, let's go next to uh, Josh, who's called in from Mobile this morning. Hello, Josh. Hey, how are you guys doing this morning? Good. What do you have for us? I, I was just curious. I've had a, a bunch of dogs in the years, but um, my question is, why do dogs eat grass? It seems to make them sick. I, I'm assuming it's some sort of remedy they have you know, gained over the years, but he'll eat the grass and then get sick. Okay. Uh, there have been various articles published on uh, why, why dogs would eat grass, and cats do as well. But uh, some of the thoughts are, number one, uh, grass may have some phytonutrients that the dog craves. Who knows? And sometimes they will pick out a particular grass to eat rather than just uh, across the board. Right. Some feel that, uh, and, I, and I've noticed this, that a lot of times when a dog has a gastric or a GI upset, uh, they will crave grass. And they will eat, and then they will usually throw up. Uh, this may be kind of a purging system uh, that is a natural instinct for a dog. Uh, and you see some grass passed occasionally, just a wad of grass that goes through the digestive system. Uh, some people have theorized that there might be parasites involved, and the dog eats the grass and hopefully thinking that it might purge that. I'm not so sure about that theory. But there are various theories as to why dogs would eat grass. Usually, in my experience, though, it has to do with a GI upset. In other words, they have a little queasiness or maybe they've had diarrhea or vomiting, and they will eat the grass and then throw up again. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it generally, he will have some sort of gastric, gastric distress, whether it's from getting cat food or you know, whatever the case is. But it, it always seems to make him sick. So I just... Don't understand why they would do it if it makes them sick. So. It's an in, it's an instinct, and uh, I, I noticed this morning I was out walking my dog, and the cat came out the door, and she decided she'd pounce on some grass and eat some grass. So hopefully she didn't throw up today, but I had to leave, so I don't know. <laughs> but uh, even cats do crave it, and some people have a window box type thing for the inside cat where they can go eat grass, uh, and they seem to like it. All right. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks Thank for the you. call, Josh. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Uh, it's a pet day today. We're looking for your pet questions at one eight seven seven MPB Ring. Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Uh, so, Dr. Major, before we go to this next call, I think that you mentioned that in your past you've had some sort of experience as a large animal vet, but that's that's not your specialty. But we'll see if we can't help uh, Prentice and Madison maybe uh, with a question. Sure. Prentice, what do you got for us? Um, hello. Yes, go ahead. Hi, Prentice. Okay. Hi. Um, this is my first time uh, having horses of my own. Um, I have two mares that just had, uh, one had a colt and one had a filly, and they're three months old, well, four months, but uh, last month I gave each of the colts uh, their first immunizations, and uh, the the, the colt took it fine, everything looks good. Uh, The filly, however, is a little skittish by nature, and so um, I... Gave her the vaccination, 90% of it went in, but now she's got a knot on her neck at that vaccination point. Yes. And 
I'm wondering, maybe I hit her carotid artery, or I, I don't know, but it's, well, it's sore. You know, it would be very accidental and hard to hit the carotid, okay? So I, I doubt if you did that. But a lot of times you can have a localized vaccination reaction. We see it in dogs and cats occasionally, and certainly it can happen in a horse. And if she was moving or jumpy, uh, it may have uh, kind of hit more of the, uh, like, connective tissue or that sort of thing. Yeah. If it continues to get bigger, you need to call your vet and have a look at it simply because it may have to be an abscess to drain. So yeah. uh, hopefully it's okay. not, hopefully it's not, but it's not unusual to see a, a localized shot reaction. Usually they go away uh, after uh, four or five days. So keep your eye oh. on it. If it gets worse or if it's painful, uh, you do need to see your vet with her. Okay. Okay, great. And um, my my second question is: I've been supplementing uh, the the mothers and the colts with, um, uh, you know, uh, food for mares and colts. Yes. And the um, they, the the mares just really haven't lost any weight, and they are just really distended. Um, so I cut off feed about a month ago, and just. Uh, supplement the colts. Yes. Um, or, or the, yeah. So anyway, um, how long does it take for them to get back into looking good? We're talking about the the mares. The, the, the mares. Yes. Uh, sometimes hormonally they have to kind of adjust, but uh, I would suspect it's been how long now? Two months. Uh, it's been um, four months. Four months. They four should... months of, of looking big. Right. Well, I'd say they should be getting back into, you know, their uh, pre, pre-pregnant pre shape. Uh, if you have any doubts about this, again, better to consult with your vet about that simply because it's uh, difficult for me to tell you over the radio. But sure. uh, I would think they should be pretty much back into normal shape. Yeah. And of course, uh, you know, right now you're indicating that they still look big, right? They're, they still look big. They're nursing. Right. But the... Uh, of course, it's lush grass right now. I don't know exactly where the situation is, but uh, yeah, a lot yeah. of a lot of our animals look better right now as far as their overall weight and size because we've had so much rain and grass has been ample. So, but if you're not satisfied with the way they look, I would definitely uh, talk to your vet. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much. Appreciate you. You're All welcome. Right. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Let's get one final or one other call in before our next break, and it goes to Barry, who has a puppy question for us. Go ahead, Barry. Thank you. We have two little puppies. Our friend had five, and we didn't want to be alone. Want them to be alone. We got a little boy and a little girl. The little girl, it seems like when we pick her up, she wants to tinkle, and I don't know if it's nervousness or what. Is there anything you can do? Does she wear it out over time? I grow it. Question number two: The little girl also is pretty aggressive. They're about ten weeks old. It's okay. pretty aggressive. We plan to have them spayed and uh, neutered at the proper time, the boy and the girl. Yes. But she's kind of aggressive, tending to make him maybe aggressive. And is there something other than separate them that you can recommend? Okay. And maybe I could uh, hang up and listen. One, one, one question before you hang up. Are they aggressive toward each other or are they aggressive toward you? Oh, the the little the little girl is aggressive 
uh, Sadie is aggressive, the girl, towards Zeus, the little boy. Okay. Uh, and he will, in turn, naturally, he'll fight back, <laughs> but it seems like she's a little more aggressive than he is. And they're 10 weeks old? Uh, roughly 10. Right. Okay. Yeah. Let's address the, the uh, tinkling, if you will, urination. Okay. Uh, a lot of times, uh, especially with the little girl puppies, uh, they will submissively uh, pee, if you will. Uh, a lot of times this happens uh, when you come home. They'll be excited. She'll probably wet on the floor. Also, you pick her up, uh, she may. This is something that they usually outgrow, and uh, it just may take a little time. But usually that subsides after four or five months, okay? It may take that long for it to subside. Some of the males do it as well. Probably what you're seeing with the, the two is just uh, uh, aggression between the two. In other words, she's probably going to be the dominant uh, animal in the pack or in that the two, but at the same time, he's, he's mixing it up with her. So it depends on how vicious they get, but I would say that probably they will work this out and it should be okay. I was going to hang up, but I hung on. So okay. Thank you, thank you, thank <laughs> right. you so much. Give, give them some time. Ten weeks. That's They're still developing, and I think this will work its way out. You didn't mention what kind of puppies they were. What kind are they? Uh, one of them is a mixture, probably Feist, a uh, little red healer. The dad was uh, Collie. Uh, okay. They're, you know, behind 57. They're okay. just, well, they. Know, they, no puppies. That well, sounds good. By the way, for our nine-year-old grandson. Well, listen, you take care, and uh, thank you for your call. Thank you, Dr. Roy. Bye-bye. All right. We need to take another quick break. When we get back, uh, Karen's got a question for us, and also we'll continue talking about pet vaccines. It is uh, Pet Day on Creature Comfort, so if you have a question about your pet, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven. 672-7464 or send an email to animals at mpbonline.org Back with more after this. The conventions are over, candidates have been nominated, and with less than three months to Election Day. You don't know what's going to happen between now and then, but we'll be here to help you understand it. Listen every day. Weekdays at 4 on MPB Think Radio. So many Northerners are moving to Cary, North Carolina. The city has gotten a nickname, Containment Area for Relocated Yankees. And that's changing the state's politics. I've heard somebody joke that, you know, Republicans from New England come down and realize that they're actually a Democrat in North Carolina. And it's not just North Carolina. The politics of the New South later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 
Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's a pet day today with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. If you have a question about your pet, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Back to the phones we go. We go to Ocean Springs. Karen, uh, you've got a problem I know that we've talked about before, but tell us uh, what the issue with your dog is. Well, I have about a 13 or 14-year-old. Uh, she's a little rat terrier, chihuahua mix. And I have two cats as well. And sometimes when I am gone, especially if it's raining outside, I leave the dog in the house. And she seems to want to go to the cat litter box and eat some of the poop that's in there. She drags it out across the house. And I'm just wondering if there's some kind of nutrient missing from her diet or if there's anything I can do to curb this behavior. You know, it's, it is it is a uh, somewhat undesirable characteristic, obviously. Uh, on the other hand, it's probably more normal than we think. If there's any way to block off the litter box where she can't get to it, certainly I would recommend that, uh, whether you could elevate it where she couldn't get to it. But obviously you don't want to mess up the cat's routine either. Uh, right. Some dogs will literally go outside and hunt where outside cats have gone to the bathroom and flower bed or whatever and dig it up and, and eat it. Uh, it is not as abnormal as we might think, and there's very little you can do if she can get to it to stop her from, from doing that. Uh, that's that's my best best thing would be to try to put the litter box where she can't get to it. Okay. Okay. All right. I appreciate it. Thank right. you. Thanks for the call, Karen. Uh, let's uh, move on next. We're going to go to Joe in Meridian. Good morning, Joe. Hello. What do you have for uh, us? Uh, I wanted to ask you about what to do with a wild raccoon that I have uh, recently gotten acquainted with and uh, start to get on a real good relationship with. I could feed her by hand, and uh, I'm the only one that can, everybody else. Uh, she's a little bit vicious towards. Right. She's got two pups, and I take what to be a boyfriend or a husband or something. <laughs> but I was wanting to know if I'm doing any harm by hand-feeding her and leaving her to be wild or if I'm doing a bad thing by right. uh, domesticating her. I understand that desire. I probably would have some of the same feelings as well. I mean, if I had a raccoon that would come up and eat out of my hand, I would have to defer to the uh, Mississippi Department of Wildlife and Fisheries and what they've told us over the years is to not feed the uh, wild animals. First of all, raccoons can be a reservoir of rabies and also of the disease I mentioned earlier on the program, leptospirosis, which is spread in the urine. But they will come to a food source, and uh, it's it's better, uh, and I understand the aesthetics of you wanting to do this, but it's better not to feed the wild animals. Uh, okay. that, that may not be what you wanted to hear, but I, I'm just really reiterating what... Well, the, I'm more interested in uh, a better thing for her than right. I am, you know, oh, I got this raccoon right. that'll come yeah. up and eat out of my hand. I understand. I'm trying to do the right thing as an animal. Right, I understand, and probably it's better not to do that uh, just uh, long-term. She needs to get out and, and forage on her own. 
but uh, again, I understand why why you're doing it, and I know you love animals. So, but it's it is uh, potentially a human health hazard, and that that would concern me. Best of luck to you. I know you. I know, like I say, I know you're trying to to help her, but I think it's better not to feed them. All right, Joe, uh, thanks for that call from Meridian. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's a pet day, so if you have a pet question for us, we've got some open phone lines at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 Send an email to org. We're also talking about pet vaccines. Uh, August is National Immunization Awareness Month. Uh, Dr. Major, earlier we talked about some of the things that we uh, guard against uh, in dogs, some diseases. Uh, what about cats? What are the vaccines uh, helping to prevent in our cats? Right. Cats are a little bit more, what shall I say, to a certain extent more complex. Uh, but there are certain diseases that we do definitely try to prevent. Rhinotracheitis, viral, feline viral rhinotracheitis, is a, actually it's a herpes virus. And it can last forever in the animal if they're exposed to it. Uh, it's uh, un- not unusual. Uh, some of the listeners may see kittens that have the gunky eyes and nose that are semi-feral. Uh, these kittens have been exposed probably to rhinotracheitis. Some of them will survive and will be carriers for the rest of their life. So we vaccinate basically for, we call it FVRCP, feline viral rhinotracheitis, and panleukopenia, and can vaccinate for Khaleesi virus as well. Now, those viruses are very usually evidenced either in respiratory, eyes, or mouth. And those can be very contagious. Uh, it can be a problem in a shelter situation. can spread rapidly. There are other diseases such as feline leukemia, which we can vaccinate for, and also feline immunodeficiency virus. Some people call it feline AIDS. Uh, it's not anywhere the same as human HIV, or, and it is not contagious to people. And we also recommend vaccinating our cats for rabies, of course. But those are contagious diseases that I mentioned, and the cats do need to be vaccinated. Uh, in a new cat situation, let's say uh, you uh, get a feral cat that becomes your pet, it would be wise to take it to your vet and have it checked for the feline viruses that they can check for mainly for feline leukemia and FIV. Uh, cats are also susceptible to heartworms. We don't have a vaccine for cats for heartworms, but the test for uh, feline uh, leukemia and FIV can test for heartworms as well. All right, very good. Looks like we got a couple more calls on the line. Back to the phones we go. We say good morning to Crystal from Natchez. Go ahead, please. Uh, good morning. I have a about a year-and-a-half-old chihuahua puppy. And when I take him out to use the bathroom, he lifts his legs, but he always pees on his front legs. Is there any way that I can help him do better so he's not peeing on himself? Well, that's a little str- little strange behavior. Uh, does he uh, have any medical condition? I mean, is he... Not that I'm aware of. I mean, he's had his regular vet checkup right, and right. all of that. Uh, he, just, <clears throat> he just does it every time. Yes, and I just wonder if congenitally there might be some abnormality. I'm just thinking now. Uh, I don't think I've heard of a dog peeing on his front legs before, but uh, there might be some malformation with his penis. Uh, yeah. Next time you're into the vet, why don't you have him check just to be sure. Uh, okay. There can be a, uh, 
uh, you know, a congenital type thing where there's a frenulum or a little uh, stricture that that might could be corrected. But okay. uh, that is unusual for him to be peeing on his. Uh, I guess uh, right uh, right word would be misdirection. So, but talk to your yeah. vet about it, and maybe he on exam he might be able to find, or he or she might be able to find something that uh, could be done. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Let's uh, continue on. Next, we're going to go to Joyce, who's called in today. Good morning, Joyce. Hi. How are y'all? Good. What's your question? We have a 15-and-a-half-year-old Maltese poodle who weighs uh, right at 7 pounds. Our our question is one that every pet owner faces. At 15-and-a-half, he is pretty much blind. He sees shadows. Um, so we'll find him sitting in a room, uh, kind of waiting for someone to come and find him. And you have to go up and touch him because not only is he pretty much blind, he doesn't hear well either. Now, he is, uh, my husband calls him a lap dog. He is perfectly content to sit in your lap or sit at your feet if it gets too hot. He's not in any pain. He uses, uh, we use a dog hailer with her, which people think is funny, for um, Ventolin. He takes Theophilin. Um, he takes Serenia, a pill, a half a pill every other day. So he's on quite a few meds. Um, he quit eating for like three days and we discovered, uh, goat's milk. He has two ounces in the morning, two ounces at night. And he, we finally found Waruba dog food that he'll eat. So basically what we have is a dog that seems to be living well in his old age. Yes. And he's not in any pain. Uh, this this so, is this is a question that all of us do ask. I've got a sixteen year old. Uh, if you've listened, you may have heard me talk about JW, uh, my right. long haired Chihuahua, and uh, he's kind of in the same situation. He he hears better than you might think. Uh, he still hears when you open your uh, treat bag. He hears that, and uh, he can see uh, most of the time. If the lights are dim, uh, he can't see too well. My suggestion to you, though, is to continue doing what you're doing as long as we're not in pain, as long as we're having uh, many more good days than bad days. I can't okay. see you uh, thinking about ending this dog's life. And it's one, of the, one of the big problems we have is when, for instance, I've been at my parents. I'm on my way back to Oxford. When, when I'm gone, he it's like he's sundowning. Yes. Uh, he wanders around the house. He runs into furniture. He's not happy because I'm not there. Right. But we leave lights on for him, and he does well. But yes. the minute I come home, he cries and cries and cries. So it's 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 kind of hard to have a life when you've got this 15 and a half year old dog that pretty much demands that you stay home with him. Right. And it's, I understand that. And uh, just uh, continue because to take he, care of him as best you have, and hopefully. Uh, you'll know when that time comes. Unfortunately, I'm faced with that three or four times a week because we do see a lot of older animals now. Right. People have taken good care of them. And it's a difficult situation, both for the pet uh, parents and for the veterinarian as well. Yeah. So, Okay. Just, well, thank you very much. Yes, I appreciate ma'am. it. Bye-bye. All right, Joyce, thanks for the call. Let's take one final break. When we get back, we've got uh, Tammy on the line from Tylertown. Tammy, if you could hold on, we'll get to your question. Also, we've got a question about hot spots. Uh, We'll get to that in just a minute as well. Final break on Creature Comforts on this pet day. Uh, We'll be back to wrap up the show after this.
MPB Think Radio is your voice for Mississippi. If you or your community has an event coming up and you'd like help spreading the word, send us an email. You've got mail. To PSA at mpbonline.org. The Decker Mountain Radio Hour is on the road to Tupelo, Mississippi, Saturday, August 13th at 7.30 p.m. at the Link Concert Center. We'll have author Richard Grant, bluesman Sam Mosley, and rock and roll from the Kit Thorne Band. This show is free and open to the public. The Thacker Mountain Radio Hour in Tupelo at the Link Center, Saturday, August 13th at 7.30 p.m. More information at ThackerMountain.com. Here comes MD. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's an all-pet day today with our vet, Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Got some time left in the show and some open phone lines so we could work in a pet question or two at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 877 672-7464. Tammy's been waiting on the line from Tollertown with her question. Good morning, Tammy. Go ahead, please. Um, yes. I had a yard dog, and she had two litters of puppies. And she would be under the edge of the trailer after she had the puppies, and they would get winged. And then once they started walking around in the yard, uh, like the next couple of days, you see that they can't use their uh, hind legs. They would start crawling with their front legs with their hind legs seems to not work and then you know maybe the next day or two they will be dead and um just recently maybe about two weeks ago a little stray dog came there and he seemed fine and then all of a sudden he stayed in our yard a couple of days and the next thing you know his hind legs wouldn't work and then he just died okay that's all strange she's had two litters that did the same thing Yes, he okay. had two litters, of, and then it was just a regular, just a, just a dog that was walking up and right. down the street. We live out in the country. Well, first of all, try to get her spayed if you could, so she won't be continuing to have, you know, have puppies. Okay, uh, I think that would be wise. And and answer, do you have have any of these dogs had ticks on them? Um, now the dog that came there did, but her dogs didn't. Okay. You know, sometimes and my, and, and my little son, he pulled them off, and they were right there on his like like right. on his spine, right? Like. And that can cause that can cause paralysis and ascending paralysis, where the dog starts uh, wobbling on its rear legs and then gets progressively uh, weaker, and sometimes they can die from that. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know about the puppies. That's very strange. Uh, hopefully, there's no chemical or anything like that around the house. Uh, that they're coming in contact with, but I definitely would go and get her a spade so you won't have to go through this again. Okay. Well, okay. I have a Pomeranian Yorkie mix that I just got maybe about a week ago, and yes. she has not, and I'm scared to let her even walk her outside because I don't want anything to happen to her. Probably a good idea until you uh, figure out what's going on. I uh-huh. I would hope there's no chemical that would be no like i said we live out in the country you know my house is surrounded by wood yes, ma'am. and you know, yeah i don't i don't know what's going on right well get her in have her spade talk to your vet about that maybe some exam would help but uh if you lose another dog and you can it would be great to have a autopsy done to see just i'm just thinking of you or your kids if there's yeah. anything there that's toxic somehow 
Uh, they don't need to be exposed to it. But anyway, best of luck to you, and uh, I sure hope right. you can do better. Okay? All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Tammy, for the call. Let's. Uh, we had a, a caller leave a, a question about hot spots. Uh, what are hot spots, and what is the recommended treatment? Hot spots generally refer to moist eczema. Uh, the uh, fleas are one of the biggest contributors, but also hair can mat down and dog can chew on itself. And these things tend to spread out almost like wildfire. It can be very painful, and you can get hair matted down. It can be uh, fairly extensive. Uh, in most cases, uh, clipping the hair around that to stop the spread and treating it topically or possibly even uh treating it uh, with steroids, this sort of an antibiotic. Uh, if it's severe, definitely get see your veterinarian about it and get them to take care of it. All right. Let's go to D'Lo. Jeff has called in today. Good morning, Jeff. Go ahead. Hi. Uh, yeah, i got kittens, and I'm trying to figure out how to keep the fleas off of them. Okay. Have you, have you, how old are the kittens? Probably about going on four weeks right okay. now. What about the mama cat? Uh... Two years old or something like right. that. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd go. I definitely treat the mama cat if you hadn't already. Yeah, I did. And uh, actually, you could probably pick up something called uh, Revolution, uh, uh-huh. for, which would be okay for kittens that young. Okay. Uh, and it would you can apply that to them. Uh, okay. Very difficult to treat those small kittens simply because yeah. of uh, you don't want to do anything toxic, which could hurt the kittens. Right. But that would be uh-huh. safe to do that. Okay, I was told by somebody you can take an orange or a lemon and like rub it on them, yeah. and the acid from that would get rid of them and it won't hurt the cats. Is that true? I haven't done that, haven't heard that, but it might help. Okay. Because okay, I've done it to my dog, and it, because he's having problems. I mean, I put that high dollar, little dropped up, I'm getting rid of everything. Yeah. Well, I didn't really do it. <laughs> I, I just tried a orange and a lemon, rubbed it down his back, and. He really had no kicks since then. All right. Well, that's a good good uh, thing to mention. Anyway, best of luck to you on those kittens. And, okay, uh, man. Bye. Take care. All right. Let's go next. Uh, we've got uh, Tim on the line from Biloxi. Good morning, Tim. Go ahead. Yes, I have a uh, four-year-old Staffordshire Bull Terrier. Yes. And she has uh, trouble with – she has hair loss around the base of her tail and on her back, and uh, sometimes it's worse than others. Uh, constantly bathe her, um, keep flea medication on her, um, and no matter what I do, it it just stays there. And she's, you know, it, I know it bothers her quite a bit because we keep her in a cage at night. Yes, she, you know, she'll scratch her her backside on the cage, and right. it bothers her quite a bit. And I've not been able to get rid of it. And the vet uh, that we've taken her to has not really had much much luck with it. I'm not going to see if you had any suggestions. What? What what have what have they tried as far as medication? Well, they gave her a um, they gave her an antibiotic. I do believe at one point I know they gave her a shot. I think it was a steroid. They gave her a yes. shot once in the base of her tail, right? Because it was swollen up and the the skin under the hair because the hair kind of thins out. It almost has a uh, a gray scaly look. Okay, and this um, is confined confined pretty much to the rear half of her body. Yes, it, okay. it's like it starts yeah. around the base of her tail, right. and it and her tail will actually look a little swollen up. I would and, uh, I would be concerned about a yeast type infection. When I say yeast, it, if her skin is roughened and gray, uh, that may be part of what's going on. Sometimes steroids are important uh, to help stop the chewing and itching. 
but she may need to be on a special medicated shampoo and even something for a yeast infection. That's my okay. guess based on what you're telling me. All right, but, because I have another um, uh, bull in the house, and he he doesn't have any symptoms like right. that. He seems perfectly fine, so it just seems to be confined to her. And it may be strictly her propensity for allergies, and she takes it out on herself, you know, chewing and biting. So anyway, check out that from the standpoint of the yeast infection and okay. see see what they say, okay? Good All luck right, to you. you. Take care. That'll wrap us up for today. Busy day with Dr. Major. We appreciate him coming on for Pet Day Today and answering pet questions. Creature Comfort is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Funding provided in part by the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science Foundation and contributions from listeners like you. If you need to hear today's show or previous show, you can find it at mpbonline.org slash creature comforts or download it on your uh, podcast app because the podcast is available now. Uh, For Dr. Troy Major, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Uh, Up next at 10, it's MPB's Season Pass with Jay White and Sam Wells. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.